COVID-19, a global pandemic. How are utilities around the world dealing with this crisis? Are they able to keep the lights on? Welcome to the Smart Energy International podcast, your guide to innovation and trends in the global power and energy sectors. I'm your host, Claire Falkvan, and in today's episode, we'll be talking about COVID-19, utility crisis management. During a recent webinar series hosted by Smart Energy International, we discussed how the utility sector around the world has been impacted by the COVID-19 pandemic. What have implications been for them on a social, economic and technical level? We spoke to representatives from utilities in Asia, Africa, Europe and the United States. We asked them, what coping mechanisms have you put in place to make sure the needs of your employees and customers remain served? What are the financial implications of the pandemic on projects in mid-construction? Lastly, we considered how technology has enabled them to continue operations and ensure reliability of service. Reliability and professionalism are hard-baked into the DNA of utilities around the world. The coronavirus pandemic has forced these utilities to rethink the way in which many of their operations are performed and the ways in which they engage with both their staff and their customers. Some of this has seen the need for social distancing in the extreme. And in other cases, it has seen utilities utilizing underserved staff in ways that perhaps they would never have anticipated they'd be working even three months ago. We spoke to Frank Thiel, who's the general manager of Quezon Power in the Philippines during the COVID-19 utility crisis management webinar series. And he was telling us that some of his staff have actually been in lockdown on site for more than 21 days as they are working to ensure that they continue delivering power to their customers. Um, as an IPP, and that's what we are, we're an uh, independent power producer, we uh, own and operate a thousand megawatts worth of coal fire facilities. Uh, both of them are located at the same site. Uh, the site is located about 140 kilometers to the east of Manila. Uh, we are offering support to the local community, uh, have done that through a number of ways. We have purchased a number of materials, PPE, um, materials in particular, food, and donated that to the local community. So uh, at least we managed to keep that, that going. Uh, at the power plant proper, uh, we have decided to go into a full lockdown mode. Uh, and what does that mean? That means that we're not allowing anybody to come into the power station or to leave the power station at all. Uh, so the staff that is there uh, will remain there for the duration until until we see some clarity from the government that the quarantine will be lifted. Until then, everyone is uh, sitting there, working there, trying to keep the lights on. Now, just to give you a sense of what we're doing, we normally work with about 265 people on staff and about 300 contractors on a given day. Because the site is isolated, we have to have all the facilities in place to not only work there, but also to live there. Uh, not right now, we're working with less than 200 people, including contractors. And, and, and those folks are also being housed at the site. We don't want our contractors to leave and come back because there's a chance that somebody may be infected. So we're keeping everybody at the site 
uh, intact. We're making sure that nobody is going outside, nobody's coming in. If somebody has to go home because they have a family issue, we're allowing that to happen, of course, but that person will not be able to return to the site until and the quarantine period is over. We just simply don't want to take a chance on, on having somebody carry the virus in because that could uh, become very, very challenging for us then. So, uh, what else are we doing at the site? Social distancing. All our staff are wearing masks. Uh, they're cleaning and sanitizing the workstations twice a day. When the shift engineers, and we're working on 12-hour shifts, when the shift engineers get relieved, the, the last thing they do uh, before they leave is they hand it over the shift to the next guy. They clean the control panels. They clean the workstations. And then the new shift engineer coming in, that's exactly the same thing. So it gets cleaned twice during the handover. Uh, of the shift. Uh, we're going as far as doing that sort of thing. If we have to bring in a contractor, and sometimes you have to because you have an emergency repair, uh, the contractors are pre-screened, medical questionnaires have to be filed. We're even going to the extent of uh, sterilizing and disinfecting tools on the way in. Supplies, all and fuel are still coming through, but we put a curtailment on, on the crews that are coming in to deliver the coal. They're not allowed to disembark. Uh, these old lorries are coming in, but again, they're checked thoroughly at the gate and disinfected at the gate to make sure they're not carrying any any possibility of bringing in the virus into the power stations. So, so a lot of a lot of measures like that that that, that are something things that we don't normally do, but we have to do now because of the situation that we find ourselves in. This unprecedented lockdown, however, is not unique to the Philippines as Paul Tartaglia of the New York Power Authority shared with us. As far as the New York Power Authority goes, um, unfortunately, uh, New York State, we have now have become the epicenter of, of the COVID cases right now. I'm sure many of you see Governor Cuomo's uh, daily broadcasts across TV, um, where we are leaning in and really taking a very aggressive stance under his leadership to manage uh, the issues and concerns we have. Uh, early in January, once we saw the evolution of this uh, illness in China, we stood up our pandemic, pandemic task force. Um, in February, it became evident that uh, this was at very high risk to spread across the, the globe. And we stood up our incident command structure and went into full-blown incident command mode. Um, no need to go over all of the, the details of how um, our incident command structure and our policies evolved and guidelines evolved over time. Uh, very similar to, I'm sure everyone else has uh, uh, spoken to. Um, the bottom line is uh, we stand right now where we have sequestered about 85 of our operators at our various operating facilities. Uh, they are uh, isolated 100% from the outside world and day shifts and night shifts are also isolated from each other for protection. The only work we have going on at our operating facilities is what we consider mission critical, which is vetted up through the incident command structure and various uh, executives in our organization to ensure that it's consistent with the mission uh, of maintaining you know, adequate and secure, safe and vital power supply to the citizens of the state of New York. While all sorts of extraordinary measures have been undertaken by utilities around the world, there is no doubt that this is a situation that very few could have anticipated. It's interesting, therefore, to understand how it is that they started with their pandemic planning. 
we spoke to Mikheli Ivancic, who shared for, for us how Ital Gas had tackled the pandemic, especially from a human resources perspective. Uh, so our, let's say that our goal during the emergency, uh, as uh, another colleague said before, uh, was to guarantee the essential service uh, that as a company we, have, we are required to, to provide to our customers uh, while preserving the health of our workers, obviously. Um, we, we established, so uh, the first thing that uh, has been done is set up a crisis committee from the first day of the crisis of the virus, uh, capable of responding promptly to the changing of the changes of the situation. Uh, the committee has the role of, uh, let's say, point of contact within the government guidelines and what we could do in our company to preserve the, 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 the service and, and the health of our employee. Um, the, the, the main task that they, they manage in these three weeks uh, are to collect and examine the legislation, define rules to be followed in case of inflection, define the essential level of service. This is very important to understand what is it real essential for our customer and what not. Define the safety rules to be followed and uh, define the rules that even by uh, to our customers that have to follow. Um, from this committee, um, in the last weeks came out a lot of guidelines and action that maybe uh, later we will see more in detail. But at the moment, I want just to give you an overview of the context and how we, uh, what we put in place, uh, first of all, to manage the, the crisis. And I think that this point uh, um, really helped us uh, in, the, in the recently past to manage the, the situation. Of course, in addition to putting in place uh, rules and regulations with which to frame your pandemic response, one of the biggest challenges that has faced utilities is that of staff motivation. Rajesh Bansal from BACS in New Delhi had this to share. So first thing was definitely the manpower management and the most crucial was the team formation about the awareness program and imparting the basic uh, about the hygiene, precautions, do and don'ts. And uh, uh, we form certain support services. We call them smart rapid action teams uh, regarding sanitization, regarding disinfect, regarding medical service, regarding managing transport, regarding managing stay and food of employees and all sort of services, uh, IT support and other things. We have made plan for the employee movements we made plan for employee health and hygiene and of course the most important how to keep them motivating and how to address their personal crisis personal issues if any we formulated general guidelines as far as manpower was concerned uh, the first guideline was you have to call the minimum staff and make sure that the staff movement should be minimum second thing is uh, if certain activities are location specific say for example scada center say for example call centers they are special location specific then make sure that you have an alternate site where you can run in case the building is under quarantine or if somebody is found infected then you have to have an alternate office which can be you know used as a as an alternate site uh, for SCADA for call center and other 
the staff which is coming for operation and maintenance they are posted at or rather they are kept at different location not at one location they are distributed at different location and they are the 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 staff was advised not to go inside the consumer hives because most of the complaints can be attended from pole or from transformer level and so on and uh, uh, in case you have they have to go inside the list of precautions which they are supposed to maintain and all the staff which was working from home they have been told that it's practically now 24 by 7 job they have to be on phone and in case there is an emergency call they have to move to the site as and when needed we are getting lot of motivational messages from consumer from government from policy makers from media and other and which is highly motivating our staff staffs are coming out with lot of innovative ideas to handle the crisis and by god grace and by the team effort the network and team both are in good health and we will ensure the efforts will be continue to ensure the same of course there was another very important consideration that of finances one of the things that i'd like to share though is that at the outset our general manager sent a message out to all employees reassuring them that they would be paid and i think that really set a tone um company wide that we were really on board we were going to look out for each other so that we could look out for our customers and that that was a, a tremendous move on on the part of management that was the homish pud's tim app and in the philippines they took a similar but slightly different tactic you know we're conscious of the fact that, that a lot of people uh, are going to be uh, probably uh, very constrained with where their cash flows uh, so so among the things that we did for instance in the philippines is customary to pay uh, yearly a 13 and 14 month and that's usually done uh, in the april time frame and december time frame uh, to employees we we decided to advance the payment of the 13 and 14 month to all our staff uh, as a way to to ensure that they would have sufficient funds uh, to to carry them through this uh, uh, quarantine period Uh, so so we were concerned about them in having the ability to uh, to ensure that they could buy groceries and 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 obtain the essentials that they need so we decided to advance uh, the, the payment uh, we we also we also made a conscious uh, decision uh, as i mentioned at the beginning the, the plant site uh, works for about 265 permanent staff but we also utilize about 300 contractors that come in on a daily basis to provide catering cleaning Uh, gardening coal pile management uh, we are keeping only a reduced uh, number of contractors on site but just the same we elected to pay everyone uh, their full salary so so all 300 of the contracts are getting paid their entire salaries whether they're reporting to the site or not we we felt that it was the right thing to do again to ensure that the folks which primarily live in the area around the power station Uh, had enough funds uh, to carry them through this this difficult period uh recognizing also the fact that we're keeping staff at the site uh for a very extended period of time under a very strict lockdown situation we augmented their uh daily pay uh well, what I call the uh, hazard duty pay uh this is this is a way to to compensate or mitigate to some degree uh you know the the hardship that they're going through and not being able to go home and see in their families so so we put together those measures as a way to alleviate again some of the concerns that we had about staff not having enough funds or or just being locked down at the site for an extended period of time of course it's not only utility staff that may need a little bit of motivation here 
Ray Sandoval of PNM Resources talks about what they are doing, not only for their staff, but for members of their community. We uh, took a lead in stopping uh, disconnects for non-payment. We waived late fees, and we also uh, allowed people to make uh, you know payment plans that uh, would work for them. And then the discussion became about our payment centers. You know, we live in a rural state. We have an older population in New Mexico. And so, you know, sometimes paying through the internet or Western Union or even paying by phone can be a challenge for some of our senior citizens. And so we had a very serious discussion about closing our payment centers and what we would do with that. And um, the decision that was made that to keep both customers as well as our employees safe, that uh, our payment centers would be closed. And again, one of the reasons why we decided to uh, stop disconnects for non-payment, waive any kind of late fees, and stop reporting to, to credit bureaus. The other thing that we do is we have what's called a good neighbor fund, and we've asked folks, um, that's where people as, as well as our shareholders can contribute to a fund to help people who are in need. And so we were able to actually add a lot of money to that program, and we're seeing folks apply for that in record numbers uh, right now. Also, our foundation, which was also started by our shareholders, has given out $400,000 in grants to uh, nonprofits that specifically help uh, those most affected. So seniors, um, as well as those folks who are struggling with asthma and have uh, immune systems that are compromised. You know, the other thing that was really important is to help you take care of your, your workforce. And so one of the things that we tried to do in our press releases and our social media is that when we talk about all these good things that we're doing, we needed to remind folks that our our employees are still out. They still have to go and reconnect the lights if the lights go out, if we have an outage and there's a pull down. And it was important for folks um, to call into our call center and ask about their account rather than walking up to our folks and ask them about their account. It's something that happens quite a bit. And so it was a very fine line because we want, obviously, to engage with our community. We want to be able to provide them um, with things that they can do. But at the same time, we need to protect our workers. And so that was really something that was really important to us. And then the other thing that we started, which I think was really uh, great, was that, um, you know, our CEO was in uh, by, almost by herself in downtown Albuquerque looking at all the local businesses that were struggling. And we thought we could do something that was good for the community in two ways. So we started ordering uh, lunches for 60 to 100 people. And we would donate those lunches to our operation guys who are still coming in. We would donate those to um, nonprofits, uh, to firefighters, and to uh, police, any of those folks who are on the front lines. And so, again, it's, um, you know, you have the sequestration for our control panel folks, but then you have to think about the operation guys who are still in the field, and then you have to think about customer service reps. So this really made us think in so many, so many different ways because they were three-dimensional problems, not just those problems on, that you have, you know, in a planning book. Roberto Zangrandi, Secretary General of the European Distribution System Operators Association, spoke a little bit about how they as an organization are working together with their members to foster best practice and to ensure that communication between the various member organizations is uh, facilitated in the best possible way. We uh, set up uh, things uh, 
the very first days of uh, the crisis, a uh, uh, good coordination among the leading DSOs of Europe. And uh, uh, then we see uh, exactly uh, who has participated into the first uh, uh, round and is uh, steadily participating. And we organize, uh, let's say, every second week now, um, or uh, every two weeks, uh, we organize a conference call that gathers uh, uh, up to 40 people. We have got uh, 43 members, uh, 40 people around the table sharing the decision that they have taken and uh, the measures that they have taken um, on uh, on the uh, uh, on the COVID-19. So at, at the first uh, conference call on the March 25th, we had 22 DSOs and uh, uh, we have uh, an inventory of good practices and in-depth monitoring of these DSO uh, crisis situation and uh, we coordinated global communication for the European institutions that of course uh, are uh, very much in the front line in analyzing what is going on. Um, then uh, what we seek is general consistency in the action implemented by the members of uh, EDSO and uh, uh, of course uh, there are some differences that are given by the geographical situation, the magnitude and the complexity of the grids and uh, the, the structure of the customership and so on. Uh, anyway, uh, there is a, a WhatsApp uh, group that is open uh, to all our members uh, that uh, shares uh, sparingly, not, uh, not every minute, uh, experience and the solution found. It is used uh, in, a, in a proper way these days. And uh, uh, another thing, is uh, that is going on is a lot of uh, uh, let's say b3 lateral uh, small uh, telephone calls that uh, uh, are used to solve uh, last minute problem or uh, little peculiarities that uh, can be uh, common to many of our liaisons as talk now turns to economic recovery and the, the easing of lockdowns there are questions that need to be asked with regards to projects that are in development. Hervé Champignon spoke to us about what the French distributor Enadis were doing with regards to their Linky smart metering program. The, um, we temporarily suspended the, the rollout of the, of the smart meter um, since uh, two weeks ago. And um, uh, because we we sended a, a lot of people all over the, the country, so we we prefer to to wait and get the best the best practices to to be able to to roll out again with all the the safety operation we we need to to organize because this uh, this crisis as everybody know is uh, very exceptional and we don't have any experience of of this so we prefer to to suspend to organize all the, um, the prescription to to go to 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 meet the customer to to explain so that's what we are organizing and i i would like to underline that 
the, the smart meter now we have already 25 million of smart meters in France and uh, I would say it's very useful in this period to have all these meters because we, we can um, operate, um, re we can make remote operations every day we, with these uh, smart meters. So we see that it's very useful to supervise the network and also to, to make remote operation for the, for the customer. Tim Epp had an interesting point to convey with regards to the economic recovery. This is what he had to say. Being in part of the country where the rate of infection actually has slowed down, I think it's not too early to begin thinking about the issues that we're going to face ramping out of this. Some of the speakers have already mentioned, you know, how is this going to affect the workforce? And please, let's not return to, to the old way. There is a new, brave new world. A U.S. panel, when asked the question, what was the one piece of advice that you would share with other utilities, had this to say. Um, my one piece of advice um, that we've learned, especially in New York, is um, you have people infected in your workforce right now, and you won't come to their realization that they're ill for another week. So you've already been dealt with next week's hand. So if you think you have a week or two weeks to respond, you're behind the eight ball already. And that's, you know, early on, one of our biggest realizations is it takes a week for the disease to materialize and the hands are, the, the cards are already dealt. So I don't think you have, have all the time you believe you have. That was the New York Power Authority's Paul Tartaglia. This is what Gary King had to say. I would just, I think it's important to really stay in close communication with the employees in your workforce. Um, make sure that they understand that, you know, you don't have all the answers, um, don't know how long this will be or how, in, uh, how impactful it will be. We're dealing with imperfect information and asking people to remain flexible and understand the situation involved. And then finally, we've asked people to, to take what we call a one-smut approach. That is uh, putting the interests of the whole organization, our customers, and community above individual um, concerns so that we don't go into silos, protect turf, or withhold information. So, so those are the things that just really making sure that those connections are within your workforce. Josh Langdon from Nevada Energy felt it was important for utilities to be thinking more than two steps ahead. Things can go south very quickly. So be thinking four or five steps down the road. Think about things that weren't possible for various reasons in your organization six months ago. Um, those are the new normals. Those will be possible going forward. So uh, kind of keep your finger on the pulse of those. And I will say, again, I'll just reiterate, anything you could do to, to really limit uh, any kind of interactions, take those steps, uh, get folks working from home wherever possible, um, take the proper steps to keep field crews and control room employees, um, you know, working safely and, and from a distance. And with this closing thought, Here's Ray Sandoval from PNM Resources. Communicate early and often, but also explain. We as human beings think that because we know something, if we just tell somebody something, that they'll get understand the explanation. It's really important right now to explain why you're doing things. Give people that information. It gives them a sense of comfort. It gives them a sense of stress. And the other thing is plan for your recovery success. Start planning. Every day we ask what's going on today, but how are you planning for success for tomorrow? Thank you for taking the time to join us. We hope that you have enjoyed 
this very small distillation of more than four hours of discussion with utilities from around the world. As you can imagine, there is so much more to share. You can visit the Smart Energy International website if you'd like to listen to each one of the individual webinars. You can find them under our resources tab. Visit Smart Energy International on www.smart-energy.com for more information about upcoming podcasts. Until next time, I'm your host, Claire Falkbank.